It's going to be an interesting discussion here. We've talked about this on the show a lot uh, as these news stories have popped up time and time and time again. Cybersecurity. One of the big issues that we're facing right now, and it seems to become a bigger issue almost daily. Uh, ransomware, other cyber attacks been happening with, you know, it seems like alarming regularity and uh, with seeming impunity, right? Nobody seems to be held to account for these incidents, and they are targeting more and more networks, and in some cases, some pretty key infrastructure pieces. We've seen healthcare networks targeted. Of course, we know about the pipelines. Uh, big, big problems, and uh, it kind of, what could be next is one of the big worries. So how do we stop it, and is anybody working on a strategy? That's the discussion we're going to have now with Deborah Irene Christine, who is a researcher at the United Nations University Institute in Macaw. Um, Deborah, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me, Shay. Um, you know, in, in reading the piece you recently put together on this topic, I was, I was pleased to learn that there is some international cooperation happening on this file, ongoing for a few years now. We do have some, some government agencies around the world sort of trying to cooperate at least somewhat on this file, right? Yes. Um, so one of the um, forums or multi-stakeholder forums at the global or international level is the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Cybersecurity or UN Cyber OEWG. It is one of the efforts of the United Nations to facilitate the making of cyber norms. So as the name suggests, um, all UN member states and observer states, as well as non-state actors like civil society organizations and private sector organizations could actually participate in this open-ended group. Um, The working group tries to develop uh, cyber norms. They find common ground on what is allowed and what is not allowed in cyberspace and how to ensure adherence to these rules. Um, Through these norms, uh, states are given the responsibility to prevent harmful cyber practices or ones that may pose threats to international peace and security and to not knowingly allow their territory to be used for international um, malicious cyber activities. So, yeah, um, this group has actually come up with a report with a consensus of 68 member states. That's actually one of the milestones of the open group because... Um, as we know, it will be di- um, multi-state, multilateral uh, negotiations is very difficult. Each of the states that participated um, in the group brought their own interest to the table. And that is why to be able to achieve a consensus is actually one um, thing that we can actually uh, applaud them for. And it is so important, right, to have an international effort on this file because as you say there are no borders in cyberspace so you need to have the international community working in unison on this yes um definitely cyber security risk is not only is not bounded by national boundaries it's transnational it's transsectoral and that is why collaborative effort like the one uh, that is tried by this open ended working group is actually um one that we need to see more of. Now, uh, part of the discussion that you're having is, you know, the way we look at cybersecurity, I mean, it is such a vast, vast entity. It really, really, truly is. So uh, you need to look at it in many different ways because it affects people and governments and companies. It affects everybody differently, right? It's really hard to say, you know, this is the effect because it affects everyone differently. Sure, yeah. Cybersecurity, uh, 
has traditionally been viewed um, either from national security centric approach or from technocentric approach. But these um, approaches actually fail to look at the impacts of cyber attacks on human beings, on people, on civilians. They might um, prioritize the impacts of cyber threats on governments and on, on the private sectors, but um, they neglect the impacts on civilians and civil society organizations. And um, although both the governments and big companies um, are targeted by cyber attacks as well, but they have more capacity compared to the general public and uh, organizations with limited resources like civil society organizations. Um, governments and big companies, they are more aware of their cyber risks and needs. They have better policies, sure. procedures, and resources in place to monitor and manage their cyber risks. They have better resources to deal with cybersecurity incidents when they happen. They get support as well. And they have um, better resources to help them get back on their feet following incidents. But this is not the case with the general public and um, civil society organizations or NGOs. They are less prepared to deal with these inc incidents. And NGOs, as well as politically vulnerable people like human rights defenders and journalists, may be target of malicious and politically motivated cyber attacks such as cyber spyware. And when cases like data breaches or other types of cyber incidents occur, civil society at large is uh, the least prepared to deal with them and to deal with the aftermath. There is limited information about these cyber threats available to them, and um, there is also limited cyber emergency support available to them. So in the case of data breaches, for example, like the Facebook data breach, we all know, which has resulted in the leak of private information for from more than 500 million accounts, this data can be used to impersonate users to make a cash transfer on their behalf without their knowledge. It can also be used to blackmail people, to damage their reputation. Those whose data are breached may not be aware of the incident, yeah. or even if they are, they are aware, they may not know what to do until the adverse impact materializes. So this lack of awareness, preparedness, capacity, and external support for the general public to deal with cyber incidents make them more vulnerable to cyber threats and make them disproportionately impacted by cyber attacks when they occur. And that is why this issue, uh, the societal impact of cyber threats need to be amplified in the public discourse. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. How do, you, how do you remedy that, though? How do you protect, um, you know, your average citizen from something like this? Like you say, they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the wherewithal uh, that governments and large companies have. So... What can be done in that area? Because you're right, they're just as vulnerable. Yeah, sure. Well, the problem is there is no easy answer to this. First of all, uh, the lack of protection of civilian cybersecurity is uh, largely because um, um, the predominantly cybersecurity has been viewed from national security-centric or techno-centric approach, which fail to uh, focus on impact cyber, cyber attacks on them. But to 
to be able to protect uh, civilians from cyber attacks as much as we provide protection for governments and businesses, first of all, um, we need to adopt what uh, we call and what other civil society organizations call a human-centric approach. So a human-centric approach prioritizes people, civilians, as the ultimate objects of security. It prioritizes people when assessing cybersecurity threats, incidents, technologies, and practices. For example, um, in the case of escalated tensions in cyberspace between states, a human-centric approach to cybersecurity would not stop at only looking at the political and economic impact of the tension, but also impact on people. What will be the impact on people's access to essential services? What will be the impact on civilians' privacy, mm -hmm. etc.? Also, if people are impacted, how severe the impact would be? How long would the recovery process be? And how should this risk mitigate it? So first of all, we need to, states need to adopt that human-centric approach. And secondly, governments also need to provide more support for civil society organizations or NGOs whose service is critical to the public because if their service are disrupted by cyber attacks, um, people who rely on their service may be left vulnerable. This support could be in terms of uh, funding support for them to build their cyber capacity, more training for their personnel, or more technical support for helping them in the case of cyber attacks. And the third thing that states can do is actually to work together with the yeah. civil, civil society organizations to develop policy, regulations, capacity building programs, and evaluating impacts on cyber incidents. Why? Because in most cases, Civil society organizations, NGOs, uh, they know better what the cybersecurity needs and aspiration of people are compared to the government because they have direct interactions with people. NGOs can also help government in um, effectively shaping and delivering capacity building to the people in a way that fits the need of the people. So It's a big yeah, job. It's a huge things. job. Yes, definitely. But... To be able to um, uh, prepare all of the stakeholders and all of affected stakeholders in the society, we need to, de to do this one step by step. Yeah. Massive job, but an important one. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Deborah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. That is, Have a good day. You too. That is Deborah Irene Christine, who is a researcher at the United Nations University Institute in Macaw.